The Productive Woman, Episode 258. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks so much for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about what interferes with our productivity at work and a few ideas for improving our workplace productivity. You'll find more information and links to resources I mentioned all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 258. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and by Beauty by Design. Uh, I'm really excited that returning sponsor Beauty by Design is running a limited time free trial program where you get a personalized $60 serum and a personalized skincare plan for free. You pay shipping and handling, but that's it. And you can go to beautybydesign.com TPW to learn more about it and to get your free skincare plan from a licensed esthetician. I'll talk a little more about them later, but I wanted to make sure you knew about that offer that they're making to you as a listener to this show. In the meantime, I also want to encourage you to unlock your productivity with Text Expander. I've talked about Text Expander a lot on this show in the past, even before they became a sponsor. Text Expander lets you make everything you write repetitively available everywhere you type text documents, spreadsheets, web forms, and more. And you can keep your message consistent, accurate, and up-to-date by sharing snippets with your coworkers. Text Expander for Teams makes it easy to organize snippets for your support team, your customer service team, and other departments. You give your teams only the snippets they need, and you can turn your snippets into forms with fill-in and pop-up fields, optional text blocks, auto-fill dates and times, graphics, and so much more. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And it is really, sincerely, one of my indispensable productivity tools. I use it many, many times a day to save myself time and make sure that what I type is accurate. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. And make sure they know that the productive woman sent you to get 20% off your first year of Text Expander. Let's talk about workplace productivity. Many of us spend a big chunk of our waking hours at work. And just like everything else we do, we want to make the most of those hours. We want to do a good job and we want to be as productive as possible. But not all work environments are set up to maximize productivity. And in fact, a lot of workplaces have setups or customs that actually interfere with being as productive as maybe you'd like to be. Not only that, Sometimes we don't take our most productive habits and tools with us to work. So I thought it would make sense to talk a little bit this week about how to be more productive at work, what interferes with it, how we can get past that, how we can give our best at work, whether we are working at home, working in an office or some other workplace, whether we're the boss or just an employee, what can we do to make sure that we are as productive as possible at work? 
As you know, if you've listened for very long, I like to see what words mean. I like to look up terminology that I'm using. And when I looked up productivity in the sense of the workplace, I found a lot of different ways of looking at it. But I thought the best definition that I saw came from the Harvard Business Review in an article they did on the paradox of workplace productivity. And I will have a link to this and other articles in the show notes if you want to educate yourself a little more on this. And what this article said is this, at its most basic, productivity is the amount of value produced divided by the amount of cost or time required to do so. That's how we define productivity in the workplace. The amount of value we're adding divided by the amount of cost that, that whether it's dollars or time that it takes for us to, to add that value. In other words, it's not the time we spend on work, but the work we produce in the time we're there that defines workplace productivity. And I think that's important to keep in mind. It's not just how much time we're spending there. It's, it's how much value we are adding in that time. You know, there are books out there. Tim Ferriss has a book called The Four Hour Work Week, I think is what it's called. And I've read it. I don't know that I agree with everything he has to say in there, but he has some good points in the book about the fact that a lot of time at work, when we, you know, and I'm using air quotes around the at work phrase, we're not being productive. We're not adding value. We're not producing what we were hired to do or what we have formed our business to do. And so I think it's worth thinking about why that is. If we can be more productive, that is add more value for each hour we are at work in whatever environment we're working, perhaps we can spend less time working and have more time available for things that are uh, equally as important, if not more important than the work we're doing. So what interferes with workplace productivity? There are a lot of things. And and another article that I read from Inc.com talked about the kinds of things that interfere with workplace productivity in the sense of uh, reducing workers' motivation to produce or to add value. And this article said, and I'm quoting here, typical motivation killers include toxic people, abrasive personalities, lack of organizational vision, absence of opportunities for professional development, poor communication systems, autocratic management styles, and the feeling of lack of appreciation. And this article, the writer made the point that addressing each of these will require a variety of approaches to come at these different um, sources of interference with our productivity. Typically, the kinds of things we think about as interfering with our productivity at work, I think, fall into a couple of categories. Uh, There are interruptions, which I think of as external interferences, and then there are distractions, which are more internal. So interruptions might be meetings that are scheduled by other people that interrupt maybe our most productive focused work time. Phone calls that come out of the blue. Emails are a can be a big interruption. People stopping by, sticking their head in the door and wanting to talk or pick pick our brain. Those are the, some of the kinds of things that can interrupt us at work 
and decrease the amount of value we add in the course of a workday. Those are external kinds of things. And then there are the internal distractions. And according to one study that I read in an article, uh, 69% of full-time employees report being distracted at work. And that article kind of uses the term distraction and incorporates some of those things that I talked about as interruptions, external kinds of interruptions. For me, distractions are more likely to be internal, but they might be when our attention goes elsewhere to social media. It might be we're distracted because there's a noisy office. And again, chatty coworkers, unnecessary meetings, all those sorts of things can create a distraction, even if they're not happening right at the moment, because we are somewhere in our mind, always waiting for one of those things to happen. And that can be distracting. We can also be distracted at work by, you know, illness, not feeling well, um, that can make it harder for us to concentrate and focus on our work. Uh, Problems or issues, things going on at home or in your personal life can distract us at work. We need to be aware of those things, just like anything else we talk about on this show, or being aware of where these things things are coming from, being aware that they're happening and that they are costing us in terms of our ability to add value during our work time. Being aware of that is so important because we can't do anything about something we're unaware of. If we don't realize what the issue is, we can't take action to fix it. Other kinds of things that may interfere with workplace productivity could be using the wrong tools. I read a quote somewhere, and we've probably all heard this at one time or another, you're only as good as the tools you use. And and that's so true in really any profession or any kind of uh, labor that you do. And that can apply to two different types of tools. It may be the tools you actually use to do your job, whether it's a hammer, a computer, scientific equipment, whatever it is that your job is, the tools, the actual uh, items that you use to do your job need to be quality. If they're the wrong tools, if you're trying to put a screw in with a hammer, it's not going to work as well as if you're using the right kind of screwdriver for the thing that you're trying to do. In addition to needing the right kinds of tools to do your job, there are also those ancillary tools that help make our work more efficient. Uh, In an office, that might be a copy machine or communication systems. It might be certain types of software that aren't our primary thing, but can interfere with if, if they are the right tool working the right way, they can make our job easier and more efficient. I think of like for me as a lawyer, one of the pieces of software that's really crucial to my work would be, you know, Microsoft Word. So that's a tool that I need to use. It's got to have certain features in it because I draft lots of documents. I review documents other people have have written. So that's a primary tool that needs to work right for me to be able to do my job well. But there are ancillary tools, ancillary pieces of software. Maybe it's the time capture software that we use or the document management software that stores our things. I could do my job without those things, but having a quality piece of software that manages all these documents or that tracks my time makes me more efficient. On the other hand, if that software is not working right, I'm going to lose a lot of time in the course of a day. 
One writer said, when employees are not provided with the correct tools, they're forced to rely on what is readily available to them. This can lead to inefficient, slow work that might also result in incorrect completion of a task. I think that's important to keep in mind. If we don't have the right tools or they're not working properly, it's going to be inefficient for us to do our work and we may not get the task done correctly. So using the wrong tools can really interfere with workplace productivity. Similarly, deploying the wrong approaches can interfere with our productivity at work. And that can be a lot of things. You know, as I was thinking about what what do I mean by approaches, using the wrong approach to your work. It might be inefficient workflows that may come from how how our space is set up. If we work at a desk, if we don't have the things we need constantly near at hand and we have to, you know, go to another building to make a copy or things like that, it's inefficient. It's going to slow us down. It's going to make it more difficult for us to be productive. Uh, Inefficient workflows may be reflected in the order in which tasks are done. If the systems put in place don't make sense and there's a lot of backtracking uh, or overlap of work, similar work being done by multiple people, but in different ways that can create inefficient workflows that slows us down, makes us less efficient at getting our work done. Uh, Same kind of thing, maybe the wrong people doing tasks. And that can come in two ways, I think. It can be this, this this sense of whether you're a supervisor or some or somebody else who who sort of thinks, well, nobody can do this as well as I can, so I'm just going to do it, even though it's not something that's primary to your job responsibility. I think of for me when I was a younger lawyer, I had a secretary sitting right out in the hall to do things for me. I, but I had certain ways I wanted a letter set up. And so sometimes I would think, well, it's just easier for me to do it my way. That way I'll know it's done right. That is the way I wanted it done rather than asking my secretary to do it and showing her how I wanted it done. That was very inefficient. It was very wasteful of my time. So doing tasks that could be done by others takes away from time for you to do the tasks that you are uniquely qualified and tasked with doing. Also, the, the, the idea of the wrong people doing tasks could, on the other hand, be Uh, people that are doing things that they have been insufficiently trained for. So they're not as competent at it. They've been kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool to do a certain thing, but nobody's ever really taught them how to do it, how to do it efficiently and effectively. So that is going to impair workplace productivity for everybody involved. A lack of communication in general can interfere with workplace productivity. If you're not communicating with your coworkers that, you you know, if you're working on a project together or your supervisor or the people who report to you or your clients or customers, lack of communication can definitely impair workplace productivity because there can be misunderstandings about what needs to be done or how it needs to be done, or when it needs to be done. And people can be working on the wrong thing at the wrong time and not live up to the expectations. And that leads me to kind of the last thing that I thought about 
under the category of, of deploying the wrong approaches to work. If we have a lack of clear expectations, that it can really interfere with productivity at work. It's hard to add value if you don't know what's expected of you. You can't really wholeheartedly jump in and do the thing if you're not sure what it is that's expected. And, and that a lot of the articles that I read talked about that from, and those articles were talking from the perspective of, of a, a supervisor, a manager, how important it is for you to make sure that the people who report to you know exactly what's expected of them in terms of timing, in terms of work product, in terms of the quality of the work that's done, all those things. Having clear expectations makes a huge difference and the lack of those makes it very, very difficult to be truly productive at work. So those are just some of the things that I thought of that can interfere with workplace productivity. I'd love to hear what you think about uh, things that maybe interfere with productivity for you when you're at work. But in the meantime, I thought I'd look at what are some things we can do to improve workplace productivity. And I did some research as, as I often do. I mean, I thought about from my own experience in the workplace as both as a sort of supervisor and as, as a worker bee. And what are some of the things that I can do in either of those roles to improve workplace productivity? And then I went out and looked at some of the articles, some of the stuff that's been written, and there's a lot that's been written about this. And so productivity in the workplace can be improved from a couple of different angles. And I'm going to talk first about a couple of things that management can do. So if you are in a management position or a supervisory position where you work, or if you own your own business and you have people working for you, what are some things that you can do to make sure that overall productivity within that workplace is the best it can be? And again, from my own experience and from some of the things that I read, some things sort of jumped to the top of the list. And I guess the overall or overarching idea that I came across was how important it is for management to create a work environment that's conducive to productivity. Well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, we can, that it sort of makes sense that, yeah, as one of your jobs as in management or as a, the boss is to create an environment where the maximum value can be added to the company during working hours. What does it mean to do that? Well, looking at the things we've talked about already that interfere with it kind of leads to an obvious list. Make sure that people have the right tools to do their jobs, both those primary tools that are essential to doing the job and those ancillary tools that make work easier. Giving people ownership over their work. Most of us as adults want to have some sense of, of, uh, autonomy, some sense that we are actually invested in the work we're doing and that we own the results. And management can can contribute to that and create an environment that does that. Also providing feedback that encourages people to work both efficiently and effectively. Those things are, are simple things well, I say simple, I don't know that they're easy, but 
they're pretty simple and they and common sense, right? That management can do these sorts of things to create a work environment that's going to make it more likely that people are going to be productive. One writer said productivity is often linked to mental well-being and how happy the employees feel in the workplace. A positive workplace culture enables employees to achieve their maximum productivity by increasing their morale and preventing stress and burnout. When employees are more in control of their lives, they feel fulfilled and happier. And happier employees generally are going to be more productive. And that makes sense to me, just as human beings. If we are happier, have a more positive mindset, have, you know, good morale, however you want to term that, we're going to feel more energetic, more invested, more eager to do whatever it is we're doing and to to be productive. So mental well-being and happiness within the workplace are important for overall workplace productivity. Uh, management also needs to think about physical comfort, that is the ergonomics of the workplace, chairs that fit the person who's sitting in them, desks that are at the right height, uh, good lighting, all those sorts of things are things that management, supervisors, business owners need to think about if they want a truly productive workplace. Um, an article on how we design workplaces for maximum productivity made the point that while colors lay out the flow of spaces, textures and materials affect the emotional response to the spaces, ergonomics is aimed at physical comfort that in turn affects mental well-being. Ergonomics, this article says, is the process of designing or arranging workplaces, products, and systems so that they fit the people who use them. And I've read some articles in the past about how adjustments have needed to be made to workplaces because the traditional uh, desk and chair setup is more suited to, uh, you know, larger hu human beings that is taller uh, men, basically, and that uh, it has been discovered that some adjustments may need to be made for the generally smaller size um, of women in the workplace. I know that when my one of my prior firms did a remodel of the office space and they got new chairs for everybody, they were smart and had a couple different sizes available for people to be able to sit in and choose the one that felt the most comfortable for them at their desk. And that's so important. And the science of ergonomics is all about that. So it's important to provide workstations that are designed for the comfort of the people who work at them, whether it's a desk or a counter, whether you're on your feet or sitting down, whatever it is you're doing, having things like good chairs, right-sized desks or tables. I thought it was interesting that that article I was mentioning before about designing workspaces said that re there's recent research that shows that lower back pain is the world's most common work-related disability. And anybody who sat for any you know, extended period of time at a desk that was the wrong height or a chair that, that was the wrong size uh, knows exactly what that means. So management needs to think about those, those things. And uh, whether it's the, the morale of the place 
or the ergonomics of it, being aware of the mental and physical well-being of the workers can make a huge difference in productivity in the workplace. So I encourage you to think about that if you're in management. Also, managers can ask employees what they need. One writer said, you might think you already know what your team's needs are, but you might be surprised by what you'd find out if you asked. Many people won't speak up on their own if they need new software, a faster computer, or other tools to do their job. But if you ask, they'll often tell you. And I think that's a great point. Goes back to what we were talking about earlier about setting up good communication, making it possible for for those conversations to be had. Uh, Similarly, what we talked about earlier, management employers need to set clear and realistic expectations. Uh, uh, One expert said employees will be more motivated if they know what they're expected to achieve. Clearly stating goals or having a company vision provides guidance for everyone. Short-term goals in particular, this writer says, are effective in encouraging employees to properly manage their speed and doing tasks to meet targets. Additionally, he says, it is important to provide feedback or show that employees are be, are being supervised. Accomplishments should be acknowledged, while errors or failures in meeting targets should be promptly addressed. So setting those expectations, holding people accountable. Another, again, the same writer said, be clear at the outset, define what you expect of everyone and how you expect people to perform their assigned tasks and responsibilities. Not doing that is setting the employees and the business up for failure. So more things that managers or business owners can do to improve productivity in the workplace, establish those clear and effective lines of communication, provide opportunities for skills development. So you don't have people doing jobs that they, they aren't competent at. It is demoralizing to work at a task that you don't feel competent to do. So provide that training, give those opportunities for that. And I, I will say this, this kind of puts a uh, uh, responsibility on leadership. Think twice about scheduling meetings. Every time you think you're going to schedule a meeting, ask yourself, is this really necessary or could this information be uh, conveyed in a different way? And if the meeting is necessary, who really needs to be there? Uh, have meetings when it's important, when there is a, a specific objective in mind and everybody knows what that objective is and the people who are there are invested in that objective and have a reason to be there rather than just, well, we'll invite everybody and we'll all go sit there. There is value in regular team check-ins. There's, especially if you work remotely. So the firm that I'm at right now, there's a group of us that we, we work together often on Uh, different deals for our clients, but we work remotely. We're very seldom in the same space at the same time. And so we have a regular, quick, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minute telephone check-in. You could do it by video conferencing if that works for everybody, just to check in, make sure everybody's got what they need to do their job. uh, And, you know, we're sharing information, make sure we're communicating. There's value in that, but maybe consider a five minute standing or walking meeting rather than defaulting to always setting up, you know, 30 or 60 minute meetings where we all come into a room and sit around a conference table and sit down. Uh, 
think some just something to think about there we could do whole episodes on effective meetings but i think that's something that if you are wanting a productive workplace that's something that the leadership needs to really think about so let's look at it from another perspective. What if you're the employee, you're not in a management position? What are some of the things that you as the worker can do to be more productive at work, to add more value during the, the hours that you're there? There are lots of things that we could talk about. Just a couple of things I wanted to hit as kind of a, of highlights develop good relationships with your coworkers. Remember we, one of the quotes that I, I mentioned earlier talked about um, how difficult relationships and conflict can very much interfere with productivity at work. So develop relationships with them, uh, get to know them uh, in a way that seems appropriate for your workplace. Think of them as people instead of as aggravations or interruptions to your work. And, you know, a side benefit of that is that ability to sort of help each other out. If you're stuck with something, having relationships with the people that you work with gives you people to go to for ideas, for backup, for support, those sorts of things. Similarly, communicate with your supervisors, let them know what's working and what's not. Find ways to communicate those things in, in non-threatening, non-accusatory ways, but they need to know if, just like we talked about earlier, that, you know, they should be asking, but if they don't, find ways to, to communicate that to them anyway. Uh, and it will help the overall environment, as well as helping you to be more productive. The other thing you can do to be uh, more productive in the workplace is to take care of yourself. When one writer that was talking about workplace productivity and promoting well-being, efficiency and effectiveness said, getting enough sleep and exercise can keep you from feeling fatigued or drained at the office. You'll be better able to maintain your attention throughout the day and not fall into the dreaded afternoon slump. So taking care of yourself contributes to you being able to add more value to during your workday. And again, this applies regardless of your role, regardless of where you do your work or what kind of work you do. Some of the things that you can do to improve your personal productivity at work are things that we've talked about a lot on this show in the past. Basically, managing your attention, managing your energy, and managing your tasks. And I think I, I almost feel like they're pri that's the priority it needs to come in. So managing your attention means making good use of the, your ability to focus. We have a limited ability to focus on any one thing for, you know, certain periods of time. There are things we can do to avoid those interruptions and distractions that we talked about earlier. You can do things like uh, possibly turn off the alerts and silence your computer so you're not getting those pings and dings and rings and all all those uh, alerts popping up on your screen. Now, obviously, it depends on what your job is. If part of your job is responding immediately to certain types of alerts, then you need to make allowances for that. But as much as you can, turn off those alerts. Put your phone in a drawer and, uh, you know, your, your mobile phone and don't let those things be bothering you. 
you. If interruptions of people coming in to talk to you, or there's just ambient noise that's distracting you, uh, consider wearing headphones. And I mean, you know, like the over the ear cans that uh, even noise canceling headphones to block out that ambient noise. And also, you know, that'll make people think twice before they come to talk to you. Maybe you want to listen to some uh, instrumental music that helps you focus. Maybe you won't have any, you won't even have them plugged into anything, but sometimes just having those headphones on can signal to others, Hey, I'm working here. I'm focusing. Um, you know, don't interrupt me unless it's really, really important. Uh, One thing you can do that really important for workplace productivity. uh, And I've read, I read a bunch of stuff about this is to declutter your workspace all the studies, no matter, and we've talked about this previously, you may think you work best in a, you know, crazy cluttered environment, but all the science says otherwise. Clutter interferes with focus, it increases stress levels, it wastes our time when we're looking for things that are buried between, you know, underneath minutiae. Uh, Clutter can be a safety and health hazard in the in the workplace, and it looks unprofessional. One study um, by the National Association of Professional Organizers found that cluttered workspaces can lead to a company's financial loss equal to 10% of a manager's salary. So in the workplace, this really matters. So think really hard before you you decide that you are, um, you know, an exception to this rule and that you, you can be just fine in a cluttered workspace. When I'm talking about decluttering your workspace, I'm talking about physical clutter, digital clutter, and mental clutter. So physical clutter is just the stuff that gets piled around. One, one's Experts said your ability to focus is restricted in cluttered environments, as well as your brain's ability to process information. Clutter makes you distracted and unable to process information as efficiently as you do in an uncluttered, organized, and serene environment. That's not me. This is, this is, there are studies that have shown this over and over. And again, I'll have links to a lot of this stuff in the show notes if you want to check it out for yourself. So clear off your workspace, whether it's a desk or a counter or a room, whatever it is, remove the trash, remove all the extraneous stuff, organize things, uh, and try as much as possible to have a clear, clean, uncluttered workspace to work in. Digital clutter is equally important, whether it's apps on your phone, stuff on your computer desktop, files we no longer need that can slow slow down our devices or make it harder to find what we're looking for. Any of that sort of digital clutter, consider getting rid of it decluttering in that and declutter your mind, get rid of the mental clutter. And by there, I'm talking about just all the stuff you're trying to hold in your head to remember things you need to do, the stuff you wanted to tell your, your boss, the stuff you needed to tell your assistant, the, the things you need to buy, all those sorts of things crowd our brains. We've talked about that many, many times on this show. Uh, here, one of the articles I read, the writer said, we often hold on to lists, information, and problems, uselessly crowding our brains with too much thought. Mental clutter is often caused when you clear physical clutter, but don't necessarily deal with it. This couldn't be truer for business owners who find themselves multitasking endlessly. For solving this problem, Here's what this writer suggests. 
Try having a mental dump every few days. This translates into creating a to-do list each morning and prioritizing it. It's impossible to do everything in one day. That's why you need to keep everything contained and deal with it only when you're ready. So clearing out that mental clutter, you know, if you find yourself lying awake at night thinking about work stuff, or, you know, as you're driving home from your work, thinking about, oh, I got to remember to do this tomorrow and that tomorrow. All that stuff is interfering with your productivity and frankly, with our quality of life when we, when we do that. And so develop that habit of sitting down at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, whenever it makes sense for you, and just doing a mind dump, writing down all those things that are on your mind, keeping them in a, in a place that you know you'll have access to when you're ready to do something about it. So that's managing your attention. You also need to manage your energy, figure out when you're naturally more focused and try to the extent you can to protect that time for work that requires focus. For a lot of us, that's first thing in the morning. That's when we have the most energy. We're most able to kind of pay attention and really get hunker down and get that deep work that Cal Newport talks about done. If that's you, try to the best of your ability to protect that time, encourage meetings, you know, if there have to be meetings, uh, try to try to encourage those to be scheduled in the afternoons when maybe you have less energy anyway, whatever, whatever is your most uh, naturally focused time, try to protect that as much as it's within your control. Keep energy boosting snacks handy for that mid afternoon slump. Uh, Now, that shouldn't be candy or sugary drinks, which is what a lot of us tend to go to when we get that kind of droop in the afternoon. We'll go for a candy bar or a a can of pop or something like that. Well, that'll give you a jolt of energy, but it's followed by a crash even worse than you might've had otherwise. So try to keep things that are more nutritious, uh, don't need to be high calorie, but something that will boost your energy. Keep those handy for when you start to feel that way. And also get up and take a quick walk when you find yourself dragging. Even if it's just, you know, make the loop around the floor or around the block if the weather's good. You can do it five minutes to just get up and move a little bit. Uh, that helps manage your energy, re-energize you, drink some water, you know, do those things and then get back to work. And finally, managing your tasks, all the things we talk about uh, when it comes to getting the things done that are important to us. Do things like batch those similar tasks together when you can. Do your most important task first, the whole idea of eating that frog. Do it if you do. What, what What's the story there? If you eat a frog first thing in the morning, everything else in the rest of the day is going to be much easier because you've done the worst thing, the, the hardest thing, the most important thing first. Um, and then really try to develop that habit of taking, even if it's just five minutes at the end of the workday to check your calendar for the next day, your to-do list and everything, and write down your top one to three tasks for the next day. What, what are the things that are most important for you to get done? That's going to make the biggest difference that is going to add the most value to your business. If it's, if it's yours or to the business that you're working for, write those things down and decide before you leave your workplace in the evening or whenever you leave, what's the thing you're going to start with first when you walk back in the door tomorrow morning. Um, 
those sorts of things, managing your tasks in those ways can make a huge difference in how productive you are because you're using your time wisely, uh, using your energy wisely, using your attention wisely. And again, whether you work at an office or at home or in a factory, and whether you're the boss or an employee, there are steps we can take to make our working hours more productive to feel so that we can feel when we go home at the end of our workday that we have added value, we have earned our paycheck, not just because we've put in time, but we have been productive in adding value and making a difference. This, I've, I've tried to share a few things that I found in kind of thinking about this. I would love to know what you think. What interferes with your workplace productivity? And what tips can you share for being as productive as possible while at work, whether it's you're self-employed or you work for somebody else or you work in the home? What are some of the things that help you manage your time, manage your attention, manage your tasks and your energy to add the most value and get them the right things accomplished. I'd love to hear what works for you. You can share your ideas or your stories of what interferes with your workplace productivity in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 258. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the, the uh, Facebook community group or the Productive Woman community Facebook group if you're a member there. As always, if you'd prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this recently. Um, but if you would do me a favor, if you'd like to maybe, you know, express some thanks for the content that I try to offer you here, I'd love it if you would spread the word or help me spread the word about the productive woman, the podcast and the community. If you've got a friend who you think would enjoy the things that we talk about on this show, tell her about it or him, you know, guys are welcome. Um, but you know, tell your friends, maybe share an episode if they're this episode or another one, it was particularly impactful for you. You can share that on your own social media channels by going to just to the show notes and they'll, there are icons at the top there of the, the show note page for each episode that will allow you to share a link to that episode on Facebook, on Twitter, I think on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, and I forget what else, but you can always share that. And, and that helps people find it and helps others join the community. Uh, similarly, I always appreciate reading reviews when they're left in iTunes or elsewhere. And, um, you know, I don't know that they add a lot in terms of, of, you know, rankings or anything. That's not my point. It's helpful to me to hear what you think. So whether you email them to me or you share your re a review in iTunes, I appreciate it. And I do want to say a special thank you to Claudia 580 from the United States who recently left a review in iTunes, a five-star review where she said it was awesome. She says, I've been listening to the Productive Woman podcast for over a year. It has helped in my home and work life. Highly recommend this podcast. And so Claudia, if you're listening, thank you so much. That was, uh, it was very encouraging to me to see that. I want to be productive in my work 
for the productive woman, I want to add value to your life. And if if it does, it it does me good to hear it. And if there's something I can do to make it more valuable to you to add more value to your life, shoot me that email at feedback at the and let me know how I can add more value and help you in your journey toward making a life that matters. So anyway, thank you, Claudia 580. Um, before we go, quick word about Beauty by Design. This is a returning sponsor that I was very grateful that they came back. Beauty by Design is a revolutionary new personalized skincare system that matches the exact right formulas to your specific skin, guaranteeing excellent results. To learn more, you can visit beautybydesign.com slash TPW. Beauty by Design uses real skin experts, licensed estheticians who will review your skin through a survey that you submit and a selfie that you send them. And after they perform a short consultation with you via text message, they customize a complete skincare plan for you. They will fix your top skin concerns all through text messages for free. So they're offering this free trial kind of thing where you can go there, fill out the questionnaire, send them the selfie, and within minutes, you can get a, an in-depth skin plan to attack your most pressing skin concerns. Plus, right now, for a limited time anyway, you can get a serum valued at $60 and loaded with performance ingredients to care for your skin. So you get access to truly personalized products right from the comfort of your own home. You also get unlimited access to licensed estheticians, one who's assigned to you, who you will work with, who can provide expert advice via text message anytime, anywhere for free. And Beauty by Design products are vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and made with no synthetic fragrances or hormone disruptors. I really enjoyed the products. I felt like my esthetician chose just the right products for my skin, and I saw a difference. And I, I don't say that lightly because I'm pretty skeptical, but I felt a difference in my skin, saw it and felt it. And you don't you it's not a subscription thing so they're not going to be sending you things you order products if and when you want to you are in control there's no obligation no risk but and satisfaction is guaranteed and as i mentioned earlier that beauty by design is running a limited time free trial program where you get a personalized 60 dollars serum and a personalized skincare plan for free. You pay shipping and handling, but that's all. So go to beautybydesign.com slash TPW to learn more. That's beautybydesign, all one word, beautybydesign.com slash TPW to learn more and get your free skincare plan from a licensed esthetician. And also don't forget to check out Text Expander to learn more about how it can help you be more productive at work and in your personal stuff. Uh, visit textexpander.com slash podcast. Be sure to let them know that the productive woman sent you and you'll get 20% off your first year. Thank you so much to Text Expander and Beauty by Design for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I hope it added some value to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. 
and go make your life matter. Thank you.